We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back. I had a nap last week after last uh, Sunday, and I woke up and my immediate thought was, it's going to happen again. (laughs) Uh, I got to write a sermon. I got to do all this stuff to get ready. But more than my nerves, I was excited to be back in this place because uh, so many of you I don't know, so many of you I do know, and I just felt this powerful energy in this place last week of uh, not just the powerful worship, and I can't speak for the sermon, yeah, we can get, maybe get feedback about that later, uh, but the, this, the, the community that happened here, to have coffee together, to share stories in the lobby, to see the smiles and hear the children's voices, and just to connect with all of you and to celebrate the beginning of something new. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of pastors because I am one, And a lot of my pastor friends express, and I felt this too, and certainly not now as Branches is beginning, felt this kind of isolation and alienation. That it's kind of a lonely thing to be a pastor. And it's not to say, like, it's not to like whine about being pastor. There's so much good about being a pastor and being part of a community like this one. But it's isolating uh, because, let's just be honest, um, church people (laughs) aren't always the most welcoming, warm, inviting people. Most of them are, maybe not all the time. I think we've all had an experience of a a kind, welcoming church person. Maybe that's why you're in church today. I know that's why I'm a pastor today. This long line of people uh, in the history of my life, I can look back in retrospect and just look back to my parents who weren't going to church and then were invited to church. And now I'm a pastor. It wasn't because of that, but because of this long line of things that happened. Because churches, at their best, when people who follow Jesus are at their best, they invite people in. They let people know that they belong. They let people know that they're valued and that they're loved and they can come into a place and that there's really no barrier for entry. Uh, But because of this person that they follow, Jesus, they invite people in to these circles. And we know that's not always the case, but I heard the story that reminded me of the goodness of the church and the, the way that God continues to surprise us, to enter us into that feeling of belonging to a community. There was this guy named Mike. He lived in New York City. And he had made a New Year's resolution, a really general New Year's resolution. I'm going to be more spiritual. Uh, They've done studies on New Year's resolutions. Uh, Vague ones don't really last. (laughs) I think we've all probably been there too. Like, be healthier. Like, that's too vague. You gotta, like, have a schedule, do specific things, adopt specific habits, take small bites, and then, uh, you know, advance in that habit. You can't do it all at once, and you can't do 10 goals, and if you do too many, you, you fail and you quit them. Uh, you get a month in and you miss one day, you're like, oh, better luck next year, you know. Get around to January 1st, I'll try again. And he had made this resolution, Mike had, that he was going to be more spiritual. Come March, he hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> But he went to a church in Brooklyn, New York. He was going to try a bunch of different kind of spiritual places, maybe go to a Buddhist monastery, maybe go to a meditation center or a synagogue in New York or try a church. And there was a church just down the street from him called Oaks Church in Brooklyn. And he went uh, and he sat uh, down 15 minutes early and there was nobody in the room because those sorts of people, they didn't get there till like 15 minutes late, including their pastor, Tyler. 
And Tyler came in and he saw this lone man sitting in the church and he had this kind of cynical idea. It was like, is he homeless? Um, is he asking for money? Uh, did he just wander in here? Like, who is this person? And he, he felt this kind of compulsion to go up to Mike and to talk to him. And Mike told him like, hey, I'm not really a church person, but I had this New Year's resolution to be more spiritual. So here I am. And Tyler was like, that's great. Welcome, we're so glad you're here. And they struck up this conversation and they found that they had similar music taste and they actually grew up in the same neighborhood and they kind of started this friendship. And Tyler, as he tells it, he, he at first wasn't gonna welcome this guy. He, as he said, he was kind of cynical about it, but then he welcomed him and Mike started coming every week and Mike started inviting Tyler to go have lunch with him. And then they went to a Yankees game together and Mike, this kind of new Christian, exploring this new way of life, this new faith tradition, he didn't visit any other place. He stuck at Oaks Church for some reason. He brought his Bible to the Yankees game. He was like one of those guys. <laughs> and he's like talking to Tyler, his new pastor. And he's like, I've been reading the Gospel of John. Have you read this? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Uh, he, he raises people from the dead. Uh, he gives good news to the poor and the oppressed. Like, have you heard this? Tyler's like, I'm pretty familiar, you know? <laughs> but something that Tyler did, you know, maybe even in spite of his own cynicism, connected with this man, Mike. And Mike became a Christian and became this champion, this leader in his church. And then Mike's wife did too. This like small interaction where he was just enveloped by Tyler and the people in that church, just by surprise, like, Nobody was expecting it that morning. They all came late and there was this new guy sitting in a seat and this just one warm conversation changed everything for him. That's not always the case though. Uh, I can't speak for you and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I haven't always had the warmest, kindest, most helpful relationship with the church in the world. Uh, I was studying in college. I was one of those lucky guys that um, all my finals were on the front end of finals week, so I finished them by Wednesday so I could go home a little bit early. So I went home a little bit early, and my friend Zach, who I played in a band with at the time, he was playing drums for his college ministries band that Wednesday night. So I'd just come home from college. He invited me to come watch his band play at this uh, worship night, and so I went. And you could tell it was the end of the semester because who was preaching that night was the assistant football co coach. Um, and I've heard better sermons. Uh, he was like, I'm going to paraphrase the scripture. And he was like getting the details all wrong. And he's like, it doesn't matter. And it kind of did matter, but you know, what did I know? And so, uh, I went, I listened to the sermon but the band was really good. The music was really, really good. And then the pastor, not the pastor, the assistant football coach at the end said, I want you to turn to your neighbor and pray with the person next to you. And I know even the very mention of that is making some of you guys' hair stand on end. <laughs> like, so I'm going to pray with a stranger. But, you know, Zach invited me. The guy next to me seemed nice enough. Uh, let's pray together. So um, I'm holding hands with this stranger. <laughs> and we're closing our eyes. And uh, he wants to start. And so he starts praying. He's like, dear Jesus, um, Thank you for calling. I start feeling all warm and fuzzy. Yeah, thank you for me. Uh, I'm so glad that he came tonight. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad too, you know. Zach's here, that's great. I just want you to just wash him in the blood. That's kind of weird, but okay. Uh, still holding hands, still praying. I just, um, I'm just grateful that his finals went well. I'm grateful that he's home for the holidays. Just praying, praying, praying. And then he said, and even though Colin doesn't know you yet, <laughs> uh, I didn't hear anything else he said. <laughs> uh, but in that moment, uh, 
I started to feel every negative feeling I've ever felt about church. I started to feel every negative feeling I ever felt about God. I wanted to say something rude. I was in college, so I learned a lot of good rude things to say. <laughs> uh, but I probably gripped his hands a little tight and then prayed a really short, rote prayer for him. I didn't assume that he didn't know who God was or that he wasn't a Christian or that he didn't believe the same things that I did. I didn't assume any of that of him, but he assumed that of me. And maybe he meant well. But Zach, uh, you know, I probably didn't act the best way. Zach asked me, like, well, what did you think? I was like, it was awful. <laughs> the sermon wasn't great, and this guy just assumed that I wasn't a Christian. Maybe you've been there before. Uh, I like to say, but this isn't the case. And, you know, like, I became a pastor to spite that guy, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I followed Jesus, and then I answered this call to ministry because this guy just assumed that I didn't believe and that I wasn't part of the community. And I've thought about that story over and over and over again. And again, he didn't mean anything bad by it. But imagine if I, if I hadn't been maybe exploring a call to ministry. Imagine if my best friend growing up wasn't the son of our family's pastor. Imagine if I hadn't had kind and helpful mentors that, you know, told me about the way of Jesus and invited me to be part of church communities and invited me to ask questions, invited me to learn, invited me to lean into my doubts and disbeliefs. Imagine if I hadn't had that and I was just some guy that Zach invited to come to worship that night. Imagine if I was just some guy and I was invited to pray with a stranger and that stranger just assumed in that moment, God, I know that this person isn't like me. Would you make them like me? <laughs> God, I know that this person doesn't believe everything that I do. I know I have it all right and put together. Would you make him think like I do? <laughs> God, I know he doesn't know you yet. But would you make him know you? Imagine that. And I don't, I don't say any of that to, to be down on the church as a whole. I don't think that the vast majority of people's experience is that way, but I think we've all had that experience. And then we come to a church that says all people are welcome and that's blasted out all over their banners and their social media and their website. And then you're like, okay, I want to go to a place where all people are welcome. And then I come in and, and I'm not welcome. And I'm not invited and I'm not even looked at. I'm not even called by name or asked what my name is. I'm not even invited to come sit with someone. I'm not handed a cup of coffee. I'm not told what to do with my children. I'm not given anything. <laughs> All are welcome, except me. That's how it feels when it's you. And so when we were beginning the process of, of thinking about what this community could be, we thought really seriously about what it means to mean that all people are welcome, that what it means to invite all people into this circle, what it means to invite people to be part of a community. What does it mean? What is God calling us to be? And think really seriously about people that belong and don't belong, people that are inside and people that are outside. There's a lot of studies <laughs> about the kind of isolation that we now find ourselves in. Even pre-COVID, this idea that, that people more and more are being isolated into smaller and smaller groups, what C.S. Lewis calls smaller and smaller inner, inner circles, uh, what some studies are now calling 3 a.m. friends. <laughs> Do you guys have 3 a.m. friends? People that you can call in the middle of the night if you have a, a bad dream or are questioning your work or need help with something, or you just need a, a, an ear that will listen to you, 3 a.m. friends. More people now than ever say that they don't have a confidant that 
uh, they can count on, a 3 a.m. friend. And the overwhelming majority of those people, same, same people, are, are, are not less certain about whether they want to have a spiritual life like Mike or that they believe in God, but they don't want anything to do with a place that says that they're welcome and they're actually not. This one, I, you know, I'll try not to tear up when I share it. Um, from 1975 to 1999, picnics were down 60%. <laughs> and it's, you know, picnics aren't the solution. It's not a silver bullet, but it says something about how we're more and more isolated. We're less front porch people and more back room people. Seth Godin says we live in a connection economy, but we're really bad at connecting. I look at that landscape, I look at those ideas, and I think about, you know, well, where is the church? Where are we? Where is our invitation? Where is our circle that we're inviting people into? And then I hear these words from Paul. Just that last little bit. He tells this truth about who God is and what God desires for us. And he says this. Let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Paul was writing to a group of people that were disunified, were breaking off into more isolated groups, were breaking off into more individualistic ways of life, were breaking off to say, like, I'm Team Apollos, or I'm Team Cephas, or I'm Team Paul, and Paul was saying, all belongs to Christ. All belongs to Jesus. All belongs to the one who's drawing all people to himself. It was the scandal, actually, of Paul's day. Paul actually was this person who, who persecuted Christians, and he says, the bar should be even lower. One of my mentors, John Robbins, says, he says, the bar has to be low enough for me to enter. That's how low the bar should be. And Paul is saying the same thing to the Corinthians. All come in, all are welcome. Not, not to grow in number, not to impress anyone. All are welcome because all belong to Christ. And it's good news because Christ is not possessive and uh, an overbearing ruler and Lord. Christ invites all people in, all belong to Christ as a loving parent or a caring sibling or a caring friend, or a, a warm neighbor, all belong to Christ. As I said last week, and want to say about what it means to be a place of belonging, it's that it's not fitting in. Fitting in is assessing a person, or assessing a situation, or assessing a place like branches or another church, assessing it and saying like, am I like those people? <laughs> Are they like me? Would they like me? Or from our perspective, being in branches and seeing a new person come in, a guest, a visitor, and saying, do we want them? <laughs> Are they going to give enough? Are they going to lead? Do I like the way they look? Did they dress okay? Are their shoes all right? Did they smell fine? Uh, do they vote like I do? Do they root for the same team that I do? Can they come in? I don't know. Can we find some way to maybe excuse the fact that we don't want them to come? That's fitting in. Belonging is saying the good news is God reigns. God is, uh, through Christ, ruling over the world. And the way that he rules is not by uh, power over, but power under. Is not by exclusion, but by inclusion. Is not by violence, but by peacemaking. Is not by keeping an arm's length, but getting close. Bonhoeffer says, uh, only love gets close enough to know, drawing close, even into pain and suffering. That's what belonging is. No, no, no standard of excellence, 
no standard really of belief that you belong even before you believe. And as long as you don't believe, uh, there's this guy named Jer that I met at a conference. He's a pastor. He's a British man. He's a pastor in California. So he had a lot of um, kind of cultural milestones to overcome. And he runs this program called Alpha, where there's these conversations for people to have uh, talks and watch a video and share a meal about life's biggest questions. Uh, meaning, is there a God? Why should we pray? Why is there evil in the world? All those sorts of questions. It's an open conversation. Anybody can come. And he runs Alpha like four times a year. And every time they run it, it's like 10 weeks, every time they run it, this same couple comes. And they are decidedly not Christian. They don't follow Jesus. And they are decidedly argumentative about it. <laughs> and they are also some of the nicest people that Jer has ever met. And he went to them. They have a, like an opening party for Alpha. Every time they start it, they have like wine and, and dinner together and they celebrate outside and it's nice weather and everything. And uh, he went up to this couple. He's like, why do you keep coming back? And they said in a more colorful way than I'm able to share this morning because some of the staff are here and they would tell on me. Uh, <laughs> they said, because you let us say whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> And again, that's not a silver bullet, but what kind of culture is Jer cultivating at his church in California, Vintage Church in LA? What kind of culture is he cultivating where over and over again, people that don't even share the same values that he preaches and teaches every week, except for this one, that all people belong. I think we get the equation all wrong, and this is where we wanna land, is that I think often Christian people, people that follow Jesus, they, they want to include people, they, they wanna bring people in uh, to the end of converting them to believe the way that they do. And of course, I think there's room to say like, yeah, I wanna be winsome, I want, I want people to maybe be warmer to the idea of what I believe, as with any opinion you might hold. But nobody became a Christian because they lost an argument. <laughs> it's the other way around. Because you follow Jesus, you invite people in. Because you believe in Jesus, you are committed to belonging. Because you follow Jesus and want to be like him, no matter what a person thinks or believes or looks like, you invite them into your circle. And it's ugly, and it's messy, and it's not easy, and it's hard, and maybe that's why we say it on one end but don't practice it on the other end, is because it is so difficult. We don't invite people in so that they will believe in Jesus. We invite people in because we believe in Jesus. <laughs> we don't say that we want people to belong because we want to convince them of some idea that we hold in our head and in our hearts. It's because we hold that idea so deeply and we believe that Jesus said what he said and did what he did because he loves all people. Because we believe that, we draw the circle wide and we draw it even wider and we hold open seats every time we gather and we draw it even wider and, and, and we, we examine ourselves for whatever prejudices or ways that we want to keep people out or hold a seat even if the, nobody's going to sit in it. We just don't want that person to sit in it. We examine ourselves to say, we need more because Jesus desires more. We want more relationship because Jesus desires relationship. And I just want to say... Uh, but I, I recognize there are people uh, gathered here and listening to this now that are like, yeah, um, Christians have gotten it wrong. <laughs> and I resonate with that deeply. Uh, but I wanna say, beginning and ending, that, I, that I'm not gonna begin with the Trinity <laughs> to get somebody to believe in the Trinity, like, okay, now you can belong because you understand this esoteric doctrine. <laughs> no, it's because we believe in who Jesus was that we act in a certain way, and that seems so elementary and seems so basic. 
but it's what Paul is pointing to. You're, you're getting it all wrong, you're dividing, you're not unified because you're, you're trying to win people to your team. Jesus has already won us to his team. God has already taken on flesh to be with us. God has already said, I desire all people, no matter who they are or where they come from. Now it's your job to live that out in the world. What would it look like for us to do that? What would it look like for us to be a people that began and ended with belonging? What would it look like for us to be a people that didn't have these kind of functional ways of excluding people? I think it would make us more exceedingly generous. I think it would make us more inclusive in the other circles, in the other places in our lives. I think it would make us an invitational people. Uh, it wouldn't weird people out with church stuff. <laughs> I think it would uh, enable us to pray prayers uh, that didn't judge people, that didn't use prayers as a means of gossiping about the person that we're holding hands with. That's a personal dig. You're thinking about that guy again. I gotta cut it out. <laughs> I think it would make us a place that people would talk about and say like, you know, Colin talks about Jesus a lot, and I don't really know about Jesus, but I do know about branches. I do know that I can show up and people are gonna listen to me. I do know that I'm gonna show up and people are gonna wanna be friends with me. And what would it say if they could say, I know it's because of what they believe, not in spite of it. I know it's because uh, it's something that they're committed to as a practice, not just something they say and put on their social media and the banners they put outside that they actually do live into this idea of belonging. Just from my own perspective, and I, I think I can speak for the leadership and for Carrie and for Michelle and all the people that make this place happen. You belong. And I know that many of you strive and strive and strive to try to prove to people that you should, but you do, factually, end of story, period, you belong. You belong. You're worthy of love and relationship. You're worthy of connection. You're worthy of community. You belong. Not because I say so. Not because Branches says so. Not because a religion says so, but because Jesus says so. And he's saying it to me when I feel lonely and isolated, that I belong. And he's saying it to you in your own isolation, in your family or your work or your neighborhood or your community. You belong. And if we can imagine a scenario in which Branches God forbid, abandons that ID, ideal. Um, it doesn't go away. <laughs> Even if that were to happen, and I'm gonna do everything I can to ensure that it doesn't happen, you would still belong. You belong. And that's an invitation worth sharing. You belong. That God loves you and cares for you. So much so, not that you show up to a place to change who you are, to become like those people, <laughs> and to believe these things and to check the boxes, but you belong because God invites you to belong and he's drawn close to us and is inviting, inviting us even now. We're gonna come to this table and experience that palpably, sensorially, not just uh, by words, this good news that we've heard, but also through taste and seeing and experiencing the elements at the table. You belong. I want you to believe that. I'm trying to believe that about myself. You belong. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the invitation that you've issued to all of us to come into your circle, that you're drawing it wider and wider and wider. Help us be part of that work. We know as we look at this map of our city and our lobby that there are people all around us that have been told explicitly or implicitly that they don't, they, they don't belong. 
May we be a people, here or somewhere else, anywhere, that speak into that untruth, to tell people that they do belong, that they're invited into life, that they're invited into this life that you offer. All things belong to us, not because of something we've done or achieved, but because they belong to you, and we belong to you. Thank you for that good news. Amen.